0: Thank you, Weston. Uh, starting a series this morning called Future Proof Your Life. And uh, we're going to be digging into, uh, for, for. it's not going to be four weeks in a row, because we've got a couple, we're going to do two weeks and have two weeks off and then do two more weeks because we've got some stuff going on. But we're going to, for four weeks, uh, over the next month and a half, we're going to be diving into talking about what the Bible says about things to come, and uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I, you'll, you will have noticed that I, I don't often preach full messages on on this subject. Um. I do believe it's really important to be aware of the hope that we have in Christ of what is coming, the the, the things that that the Bible tells us are are ahead for us. But I also think it's uh, careful, it's that if we're not careful, we can be so busy watching the sky that we forget that we're here to do something, right? So there's a balance here to be lived. Um, in Acts 1, when uh, the resurrected Jesus was ascending into the heavenly place, ascending to his throne that we just sang about and talked about, ascending to God, um, God actually had to send two angelic beings to get the disciples to snap out of it and pay attention to the mission. Right? Acts 1, verses 10 and 11, it says this, Um, They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. When suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you in heaven will come back the same way you've seen him go into heaven. So it can be easy sometimes for us to get so focused on what is coming that we forget we're here to do something. But it can also be easy for us to get so caught up in our day-to-day earthly living that we forget to keep an eye out because Jesus is coming, right? And there's a tension to live here. Um, so, so, uh, you know, as we live in this healthy tension, uh, many teachers and theologians have, have called this the now and not yet of the kingdom, that Jesus' kingdom has come when he came on earth, when he died on the cross, when he rose again, he he began the work of his kingdom on earth. But the fullness of his kingdom won't won't be realized until Jesus comes back, right? Right? Um, and so our job, in the meantime, is to stay on mission and expand His kingdom influence in the world. But also to stay alert and waiting for the final coming of His kingdom. Right? The, the subject that we're covering in this series is often called um, end times prophecy. Right? So how many of you have heard that term? End times prophecy. Uh, I'm not a big fan of this term, um, because although the, the Bible speaks of the end of this age, it's truly not, it's not truly the end, it's really a shift and a new beginning. When Jesus comes back, we don't cease to exist, and everything doesn't get snuffed out, it's, it's a new beginning, right? Um, and, uh, and prophecy, the word prophecy in the Bible can mean so many things, and we want to be careful not to narrow it down to just meaning talking about what's yet to come, right? Because the word prophecy can speak about, It's one of, the, one of the words the Bible uses to talk about preaching. It's one of the words that the Bible uses to talk about challenging political systems. As the voice of God in the, in the earth, the church, is called to challenge political systems, Right? Um, and it's also, we can, we, can, we can have a gift of prophecy and speak prophetic encouragement to each other. And so, the word prophecy means so many things. Um, so, I, I prefer, through this series, we're going to use the, the terms things to come, right? That's pretty, pretty self-explanatory, things to come. Or the, the, tech, the, the theological terms, the, the technical theological terms of eschaton, Meaning, the last things, the eschaton, the last things, or eschatology is the study of last things. So we'll use those terms a bit. All right, everybody say eschaton and eschatology. All right. So learn some new new words today, maybe. But uh, all right. So this today is is a bit. Uh, we're, we're laying the groundwork, we're doing some introduction, all right? And as we talk about things to come, um, approach is everything, right? If you're flying an airplane and you're going to land it, your approach determines whether you're going to live or not when you hit the ground, right? Um, approach is everything. How we, and how we approach this subject will determine how we think about this subject. I think there's two things I want to talk about with our approach. And the the first thing is a high regard for Scripture. All right? So one of the things that has caused the Bible to stand out above all other books in history, right? It's by, by a long shot, the Bible is the highest selling book every year and all through in all of history. It's the highest selling book. One of the things that's caused the Bible to stand out as a trustworthy source of wisdom and the authoritative word of God is one of the things is the accurate predictions that it makes that have already come true. Right? One of the reasons we trust this book is because of uh, so many predictions that it has made that have already come true. The Bible has the audacity to record 2,500 predictions in it of things that you know, are to come, were to come. And of those 2,500 predictions, 2,000 of them have already come true. 2,000, many of them very specific predictions have already come true, which is one big reason why we are, why it would be wise for us to lean in and listen to the other 500 predictions that speak of things to come right? The Bible speaks authoritatively about things that are yet to come. No other holy book in any other major religion dares to make these kinds of predictions. I would suggest that's because this is the Word of God, the words from God, right? Over 300 Specific predictions were made just about the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And I wish we had time to get into some of those today, but there are, there are some amazing specific predictions made in the Old Testament that, that were, were fulfilled in Christ's coming. One example of, of um, prediction that has come true that I just want to mention briefly. We, pro- we might get into this more in the weeks to come. Um, probably will. But it, this, it's crucial to our understanding of the unfolding of the eschaton, unfolding of these last days, um, is the prediction in the Old Testament... Predictions, I should say, in many places in the Old Testament, predictions of the Jewish nation, Israel, becoming a nation again. Um, The last time there was a truly independent Jewish nation was 2,600 years ago. A long time ago. 2,600 years ago. The Assyrian Empire destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 BC, and then the Neo-Babylonian Empire under Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the southern kingdom in 586 BC. And that was the end of an independent Jewish state until 1948, right? Right? The Bible predicted that there would be, that, that God would restore the Jewish nation, the, the nation of Israel. Now, now, when we speak of this, um, this, is, this is fulfillment of Scripture. It's fulfillment of predictions that God had made. It doesn't mean, I, I do believe that we are called in Scripture to, to pray for to champion the Jewish people, it doesn't mean that we approve of every decision that the Israeli government, the secular Israeli government makes, right? We need to be careful about, about that. But the, the coming into existence of Israel as a prediction of, uh, of uh, Scripture is amazing. Um, The the Jewish people since 586 BC have been exiled all over the world, and they have for the most part remained genetically and culturally distinct in those places of exile all around the world. And as the Bible predicted in 1948, a nation-state called Israel was formed once again And also, as the Bible predicted, the Jewish people have been going home from all over the world ever since. Um, And so never in the history of the world has something like this happened. The establishing of of the nation of Israel was not only an unimaginable fulfillment of Scripture, but it was also a, a signpost that we have begun to shift into a new season in the fulfilling of the eschaton, the, the, the unfolding of God's plan for history. The Bible has shown itself to be true and accurate like no other writings in all of history. So, when it, as I said, when it speaks to the things to come, we can trust that these things are not fantasy, they're not foolishness, but we would be wise to lean in and listen. What does it have to say to us, Right? The second thing I want to I say about our approach in the next weeks as we look at this subject is humility. Humility. There's a lot of, in my opinion, there can be a lot of arrogance around the teaching on these things. That there are some that teach it as if they've got it all figured out. They know exactly how it's all going to happen. When Jesus came the first time, there were a lot of people who thought they knew exactly how it was going to happen. And a lot of them missed it. Because they were so arrogant in their perception that they... They weren't truly watching and waiting and looking to see God what, what is your theology? Because my theology doesn't really matter. It's what God, what God thinks, right? And sometimes even the writers of scripture didn't see things always clearly. Even the writers of scripture. Here's my amazing. Artistic ability, right here. But if you think of this as, a, as, a new, as an Old Testament prophet, and we have so many places in the Old Testament that speak of the coming of Jesus, but oftentimes what happens is the description of Jesus' first coming and the description of his second coming get all jumbled together. Not because they were wrong, but maybe because they saw something sort of like this. You know, when you, you look at two mountains and they're lined up like this, you see the peaks of two mountains, but you only see it as one. Right? And it's, it's as if they, they, God gave them images to see what was coming, but they, they, they saw it all together and described what they saw and oftentimes when we read the old testament prophecies there are there are it's because this book is alive scripture says that it, for the word of god is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword right it's living and and so this book is not like any other book there are layers of meaning and layers of fulfillment of prophecies that we read in the Old Testament. And oftentimes, the, the, the primary fulfillment is for the Jewish people, but there are, there are spiritual implications and implications for the church and so on. And so we need to, I'm just saying we need to be very careful about being arrogant about our position when we come to these things, right? um there are there are systems of understanding and believing about things to come es- eschatological systems of how people look at all of this that if people get too locked into a system they miss the nuances the 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 things that are what we have in Scripture, because here's the deal, there's no, there's no book in Scripture that I can point you to where you go and read the whole thing laid out with charts and timelines, right? But what we have in Scripture is we have verses here in Zechariah and in Jeremiah and in Ezekiel and in Daniel and in Hosea and in, in Revelation and, and we take these verses in the Gospels, and we take these verses, and, and it's like putting a puzzle together, right? Taking all these pieces and trying to, trying to see the picture of the puzzle. And it depends on how you put the puzzle together, how the picture looks, right? And over the century, people have put together systems of understanding eschatology, that have attempted to make a clear picture from the puzzle pieces. And and we think we've arrived at a relatively solid understanding. You know, I I think as we walk through this, we're going to see a relatively solid understanding of, of how things, God says, things are going to play out in the days to come. I really do. But I also think that we should have enough humility to be open to the possibility that we haven't got it all figured out. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're gonna so let's just take a quick look at a couple of the big pieces of the puzzle. We're, we're gonna dive into these things more in the days to come, but just these are these are a couple of the pieces that people have used to make systems of understanding the uh, the, the prophecies or the 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 predictions of, of things to come. One of those things is the millennium, okay So in Revelation 20, in the chapter of Revelation 20, we are told that um, that there would you know there would be after a, a big battle that that Satan it says that the old the old The dragon, the old serpent, named the devil or Satan, is what it says in in Revelation 20, will be bound up for a thousand years and thrown into the abyss. And then it describes Jesus Christ coming and ruling and reigning in person on planet Earth for a thousand years in a literal empire, on earth. That's what's described as the millennium in Revelation chapter 20. And there are other portions of scripture that that support it, but but there's this is but there have been different approaches to how this is understood. So premillennial just hang with me here, okay? So premillennial says that this is actually a prediction of of a literal kingdom that is coming, a literal moment when Satan is bound, thrown into the abyss, Jesus comes, reigns, sits on a throne, and reigns and rules on earth for a thousand years. And we're not there yet. That's why pre, right? Pre-millennial. There's, so that's one system, okay? Another system is post-millennial. This basically says that since Jesus um, initiated, inaugurated his kingdom when he walked on this earth, things God is using his church to make the world a little bit better all the time. It's getting better and better, and we'll keep transforming society and transforming the world until we come into a a time of... um, of utopia where everything will be fixed and everything will be well and, 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 and then Jesus will come after the church changes the world. Okay? That's called post-millennial. And then there's amillennial or amillennial, mean which says that this whole thing, about a thousand years, it's just, it's symbolic, symbolism. It's symbolic that it just it speaks of the church age, but it's all symbolic and uh, and there is no there is no thousand years, there's no time thing it's just saying that God's going to do some great stuff for a thousand years or for a long period of time, and then Jesus will return so problem. I see with post-millennialism is if the world is getting better and better and better, why why did we have to start something called a doomsday clock in the 20th century? And why are we closer than we've ever been in history right now to midnight on the doomsday clock, right? If it's getting better and better, why, why is the is everybody saying we're in trouble, right? The problem that I see with amillennialism, amillennialism, is this. Satan is not bound, folks. Right? This this says that Satan will be bound for a thousand years and cast into the abyss. That is not a description of what's going on in the earth today. In fact, I would say there was more there 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 were more people killed by evil dictatorships in the twentieth century than all other centuries of world history combined. Right? Evil is not gone, it is very real, and it lurks in human hearts. In all of our hearts, if we're not careful, why are we temptable if Satan is bound and cast into the abyss, right? Um, And so, I respect the fact that there are other perspectives on this. However, um, I would suggest that that from my perspective, the the best way to look at this is pre-millennial, to say, Jesus is coming to set up his kingdom on earth it's pretty um, it's pretty crazy to think about jesus coming and being and ruling over this earth for a thousand years i know it's mind-bending but um but i believe that's what scripture tells us the other the other piece of the puzzle the other big one is the tribulation and the rapture of the church right these are biggies and and we're going to dive into this more but this is we're just doing some introduction today um the uh, this is talking about a seven year time the bible talks about this in more than one book and more than one place um a seven year tribulation or time of trial and difficulty um it speaks of a seven-year period in which there will be a, a great uprising of evil and an antichrist, right? Jesus is the Christ, but there will be an antichrist, um, poetically also in Revelation called the beast, that will arise as a world leader. and He will seem to have all the answers for humanity's dilemmas and will speak of peace. He will be worshipped as a God and will even have the power to work miracles, but He will soon be shown to be a counterfeit and will enslave the world. So these seven years will be the most horrific years in all of history, according to Scripture. We're going to talk about that more in, in weeks to come. The church at some point, the Bible tells us, the church of Jesus, at some point, will be taken out of the world, will be called out, right, will be called out. Again, if, you, if that's new stuff to you, stick with us, we're going to talk more about it, but at some point, the church is going to be called out. When that happens is, is the big question mark of these three systems, Okay? When is the church being called out of the world? Is it before the tribulation, the seven years of tribulation? Is it partway through or is it at the end? Right? Before, partway through, or at the end? Um, we'll talk about that later. We're not getting into that today. There's a lot to sort through in all of these systems and all the ways that we put the puzzle pieces together and the ways that we look at how, how the predictions of Scripture are going to come to pass. We need to approach them with a high view of Scripture and with humility, right? Um. Second thing I want to talk about is perspective. How I want to suggest to you today that, that starting from the, the very end, starting from the very end will help us to keep things in the right perspective. Revelation 21 and 22, the last two books of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22 are the direction in which all of this, all of human history, all of scripture, all of the story of God's work in history, all of this is going to that end. Revelation 21 and 22. That's where we're going. And it's important. You know, if you don't know what the destination is, then you're going to get turned around pretty, pretty badly, right? When we're going anywhere, we got to know where the destination is. And, and so we need to keep the destination in mind. Where are we going? Where is all of this going? See, some people, some people are so busy looking for the Antichrist, they forget that the point is we're waiting for the revelation of Christ. The last book of the Bible is often referred to. If you you know turn, open it in your Bible, it's called Revelation. In in that's because in you know in our English translation, that's the first first word that we come across. The revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ. Those are the first, in Greek, those are the first three words that we find in the the original Greek. Apocalypsis, Jesus Christus. Now, we know the word apocalypse, don't we? And it usually means something pretty scary, right? Right? You know, in movies, and popular culture, when we talk about apocalypse, it's like horrific, everything just meltdown, everything's terrible. But the word apocalypse is actually, actually revelation. And the first three words of the book at the end of our Bible is the revelation, the apocalypse of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of the Antichrist. It's not the revelation of terrible plagues and terrible things that are going to happen. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And it's important that we keep that in focus. Yes, there are some catastrophic things that are described in the prophecy or the predictions of this book. But that's not the point. That's not what we, that's not our main focus. It's about revealing, even the book of Revelation is about revealing the goodness and the glory and the purpose of Christ for the cosmos. God's plan for the universe. And it's not about the end of the world, it's about the remaking of the world. It's not primarily a book of judgment, but primarily a book of hope. And if our primary message about the eschaton is a scary and fearful message, we have missed the point entirely. So I want to I just, I know our time is getting on, but I want to read a few verses from Revelation 21 and 22. Not too much longer. Hang in there. Listen to this or read it with me. First of all, verses 1 to 8, a verse of 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. To the the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all of this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. And then down to verse uh, 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and the honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me as clear as clear uh, me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations." So what is being described here in this passage is the point. Um, Heaven coming to earth. Jesus is going to renew the dimensions of heaven and earth so that death and corruption and decay are no longer a thing. And then the heavenly space is going to be joined to the earthly space. And God's dwelling place will be forever joined to ours. And evil and pain and sorrow and injustice will be gone for good. And this is our hope. I'm going to skip those things. This is our hope. Our, pers- ah, whatever. our perspective. Our perspective is hope. Folks, as we see things, sometimes getting darker around us, we can become fearful and point to the Antichrist and the scary things that we read about that are coming and become consumed with those things. Or we can realize that Jesus has begun to prepare the world for His coming And he has put you and millions upon millions of other Christ followers in strategic places to be light in the darkness and to represent his kingdom to those who are fearful, to those who don't understand what is happening around them. And we can be fear spreaders or we can be light spreaders. Jesus is purifying his church in this season. And he is pouring out his spirit upon his church to empower us for another great ingathering of souls before the end. What an amazing time to live in. As Jesus is preparing his church to make the greatest difference it's ever made in the world. Yes, it will become difficult to live for Jesus in the days ahead. We'll get into that. Yes, it will become difficult to live for Jesus. Many will be faced with a decision to get off the fence and either live fully for Christ or walk away. I hear so many Christians grumbling about how terrible things are getting. And I'm not convinced that that is our message. And I know that people don't find that attractive. And if we put the same energy into celebrating how great our God is and how awesome His salvation is and how incredible it is to be part of His kingdom movement in these last days, I bet we would have people want to listen to us and want to discover the hope that we have in Jesus. So what is our perspective as we approach this? Is it a perspective of fear or a perspective of hope? A perspective of doom or a perspective of the glory of God is coming? Right? And we can face all of the mess and all of the difficulty and all of the trouble if we keep the the glory in focus. Keep what God is doing and where this is going in focus. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray first of all, we so get ready to, to conclude, um, I want to pray first of all that God would, you know, maybe I mean, we're approaching this message today from all different kinds of places. Maybe, maybe you've never heard a message about things to come and maybe you're a little freaked out, like what is this? Hang with us. Don't, don't get freaked out. Just hang with us over the next few weeks and we're going we're gonna to unpack it I want to encourage you either God is real or he's not either he revealed himself in Christ or he didn't we happen to believe very very strongly here that God is very real he revealed himself in Christ he's not some dead religion some heady philosophy but he's He's real. He's with us. And he's actually taking all of human history to a place, to a culminating place, to a place of bringing about his original plan and purpose in a beautiful way. So I want to encourage you. I want to pray that you You'd hang with us and, and that God would show himself to you in this. And I also want to pray, um, just really feel that, that there are some of you that just really need breakthrough today. And We're going to open up this front of the, of the church here for a, as a place of prayer. Our team is going to come and, and they're going to be ready to, to pray with you today. because our God is a God of miracles we believe that whether your need is for forgiveness and salvation and to come into the family of God whether your need is, is financial or whether it's for physical healing or whatever it is that we have a God who does amazing things And if today is your day of breakthrough, if if God's tugging at your heart, if you're feeling maybe he's doing something in your life today, don't just let that pass by, but come and and receive, receive from him. Let our our team pray with you. So Father, I thank you for your love for us. I thank you that you have a plan, that you have a purpose, that it's full of hope. That God, you're taking us somewhere amazing. I pray that you would keep our hearts open as we listen and we lean in and we hear what you're saying to us through this. I pray that we would be encouraged and strengthened and helped and that we really would have our lives prepared and future-proofed. God, I pray for those that have needs this morning that you would move in hearts and lives. you would do what only you can do. God, you're here. You're with us. Move in our lives, we pray, in Jesus' powerful name.